there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, before we dive headlong into the news of the day, uh, I know how, how much you like Star Trek. We, we, we like Star Trek here. Uh, rumor has it they're going to come out with another TV series of Star Trek, Dr. Batar. I don't know if it'll be any good, but it uh, seems like that, that creation of Gene Roddenberry and those folks is uh, continuing on to the future. Yeah, I mean, that's probably got to be the longest-running series, right? Because with Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation, Star Trek to Deep Space Nine, all these different ones that they had that's got to set a record. I'm yeah, sure next year, next year I think will be 50th anniversary, 50 years. So yeah, that's got some longevity. He set up a universe that people are still interested in today. Absolutely. And of course, the doors opening up when you walk through and you know, with, the, <laughs> yes. with the exception of the sound, those doors are now used at every department store and Right. I think I'm waiting for the time when they come out with the replicators and the tricors. Yeah, the tricorders are cool. We've 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 joked about some level of uh, sensitivity of machines that do exist that can kind of do those things. But uh, anyway, just a, a side note as as we cover uh, pop culture as well as uh, some advanced medicine with Dr. Rashi Bittar, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R dot com. Links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell dot com. Mississippi, lovely Mississippi. Now, I like the South. I grew up a lot of my years in the South, even though I was born in the North. I learned to I learned to become a Southerner. And and I, I kind of took offense a little bit to the Northern pretentiousness that they looked down, they thumbed their noses down at the South. But in this case, uh, there's some problems I have with one particular state in the South called Mississippi. Not necessarily the people, but the government and what it's done. It is one of the states that has no objection to or exemptions to vaccine unless they're medical, which means nobody's getting exemptions, basically. And it has the highest vaccine compliance rate in the world, not just the nation. They say 99.7%. And Dr. Batar, I think that's as close to 100% as you can get. I mean, that's statistically 100%. Yeah, it's interesting how uh, Mississippi hits number one in so many different areas. So most uneducated state, the lowest literacy rates, highest incidence of autism, and now you're saying highest compliance with vaccinations and highest infant mortality rate. So um, I'm not sure whether those statistics are global. I know the one that you mentioned just now was global, but I know when you compare the 50 states, by far Mississippi leads in in, uh, highest levels of illiteracy and mm-hmm. also the highest level of autism, and of course the highest compliance of, uh, with the vaccinations, and now you know with the mortality aspect. So it's interesting that there's a direct correlation: highest compliance and highest vaccine with the highest mortality and highest incidence of autism. So what does that tell you? Well, I think it's the it's the un- unspoken truth. It's like if you point that out to someone who would attack us simply for bringing something like that up, you point out the fallacy of the vaccine religion. You know, if there was legitimacy to it, they would look at this and say, "Hey, there's there's something wrong with it here." Or maybe they would attempt to conduct some studies that would dispute the link, the causal link, and say, "Well, it's just some sort of." Uh, 
um, co- coincidence. It's not linked in any way. But, I mean, if we look at the global stats on vaccination, I don't know that any population, state or otherwise, around the world has a 997 uptake of the vaccine schedule that is more invasive and more comprehensive than in any other nation of the world, save South Korea, which pretty much has mimicked what the United States has done. And, of course, they have very high va- vaccine or autism rates as well. Right, and I'm going to take this into an area that we don't like to go. Um, mm-hmm. I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. But <laughs> yes. uh, let's, let's start looking at what I have said for decades, that once you empower people with knowledge, you can't, uh, that, that individual can no longer be a victim. And as you've very affectionately, affectionately referred to these people that follow the indoctrinated path uh, as sheeples, now, you look at the literacy rate, and you see the education rate, and you see the highest illiteracy rate, which would then indicate that if they're illiterate, by definition, they're not educated. If they're not educated, then they're not aware. And so they're going to be more prone. Again, I'm, I'm making these mm-hmm. uh, connections. Uh, maybe I'm conjuring them up, but it would seem like it's sequential linear logic. So if you have people that are not educated, they're more prone to, to following uh, whatever they're told to do, they, they, they follow um, what well, authority they, they, is appropriate. Yeah. But they become more like sheeple. Yeah, and so exactly. They, that's one reason, you know, you mentioned highest compliance rate. So their highest compliance is correlated with illiteracy or uneducation because the more educated you are, the more you're going to kind of, theoretically, you're going to more question. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a difference between education and intelligence. We're not talking about uh, level of intelligence. We're just talking about a level of education because you can have... Sure. You know, there's a difference, and and for those that may um, may question that, a person can be very educated and not be very intelligent, or a person right. can be very intelligent and not educated. So we're talking about an education here, and so if they're indoctrinated into a certain thought process that if you want to do the best for your child, regardless of how intelligent you are, if you're not educated on the on the various um, components and subtleties and some of the 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 you know, political uh, stances here, and mm-hmm. let's say literacy is in question here, so if they're not very literate, then they're not going to be able to read the different opinions, and so they're going to follow what they think is the best, because they're told this is the best for your child, so they're more compliant, uh, and thus they have the highest level of infant mortality and highest incidence of autism, because as the Geyers had shown, the infant mortality is directly related, the sudden uh, infant death syndrome was related to the whooping cough vaccine, and there's many, many uh, associations and studies that have been done to show the correlation between sudden infant death syndrome, various levels of mortality, vaccination mm. correlation. So, you know, it, it, the dots all follow in the right direction. Yeah, and, and another difficulty in this, and of course, this is not us calling uh, the people of Mississippi stupid. It, it, you know, that wouldn't be appropriate, but it's, it said lack of education, lack of exposure to certain thought forms that would begin to question the authority, in this case, the state, which says you must, in order to send your kids to school, you must be vaccine compliant. The only exemptions you get, there's no philosophical, there's no religious, there's only what? Medical and good luck getting a medical exemption. If a doctor is known to provide them, they will be very quick, quickly threatened with loss of their license, and until they become compliant with not with not issuing these exemptions, right. and of course you can read. Uh, I believe uh, I don't know if it's true of all vaccinations, but certainly the animal vaccinations. If you go to a vet clinic and look at the inserts, it says do not administer 
to an animal who is not healthy. In other words, they say, do not, because the risk of, of doing this to an unhealthy animal, much less an unhealthy human, is only exacerbated. And so we look at the uh, refusers, if you will, or those who simply modify the schedule, working with their doctors. They tend to have the highest education levels. And this is a quandary or a dilemma for the, the left-leaning bro- broadcast media. This is where I got into trouble calling John Stewart out for promoting Nazi-like tactics, for uh, you know attacking the so-called Marin housewives because they're coasting on everybody else's herd immunity. And I said, you know, what you're trying to do is ostracize a group of people who have a different opinion on vaccines. And I said, these that's a Nazi-like uh, behavior. I didn't call him a Nazi, but the Jewish press said I called him a Nazi. And I got in trouble for that. Not that I worry about that too much. But the point here is it's a dilemma because you look at the people that they denigrate and make fun of, the liberal intelligentsia. It would be the southern folk, the poor folk. And these people are compliant. Their so-called heroes, the high-intelligent, high-degreed, Ivy League, Stanford, whatever it is, they're the ones that are refusing. They're the ones who are questioning. They're the ones who are not allowing the full-on schedule to occur. Isn't that interesting? Right, and I think that's a very important point that the that nobody's calling anybody stupid. But here's the fact. If you have the highest levels of illiteracy in your state, then those people are not able to tap into this knowledge base that's basically internet-based or written material because you're not going to watch a TV or a video to really get this information. So you really don't have the venue available to you to look at the other opinion or the other uh, other mm-hmm. uh, side of the coin. And then when you're sitting there and you've got your child's health, you're obviously going to want to be motivated to do the best for your child. And when something has been shoved down your throat that this is the best thing and this is what responsible parents would do for their children, if you love your child, you're going to get them vaccinated, then what would anybody do? They would do exactly what most of the people in Mississippi are doing is getting their children uh, vaccinated because they don't have an opportunity to see the other side. They're they're basically, um, as you say, Robert, they're sheeple. They've been Mm -hmm. pushed they've been pushed into a chute and they have no other options they're they're blinded they're blinded so they can't see any course other than straightforward there's no right there's no left there's only forward and um, they go off the proverbial cliff just like they're marched right off the cliff exactly, exactly. and yeah. yeah and and so i i can't say this enough and emphasize this enough when you read an article like that that says okay 99.7% which is basically 100% that's as close as you're ever going to get uh, vaccine compliance number one in terms of infant mortality that you know why are there not and of course this is not a question that, that actually requires an answer but why are there not congressional hearings seriously yeah. i mean think about it where's dick durbin when he you know when he thinks a dietary supplement causes a hangnail he wants to have an, a, an inquiry and have the fda march in and destroy a business when you have infant mortality tied to full vaccine compliance it's it's cricket time Nobody in Congress wants to mention it. Bill Posey has read into the record what the CDC whistleblower has said, what Brian Hooker has found, and still no investigation being called here. Tell me that they care about the so-called people, a.k.a. sheeple. Yeah, it's um, actions speak louder than words, and inactions are equally as loud as uh, words, and the lack of action speaks volumes. You must open up the you must open up the the pandora's box to really start seeing you know how the dots connect so that you can understand what the motivation is but a lot of people again they will pawn people like you and me robert off into mm-hmm. the conspiratorial 
uh, realm and uh, write those type of things off. But truth is stranger than fiction, so we'll you know we'll see as awareness increases where this uh, road leads to. But um, I certainly know for my own staff and my own family and my own immediate family and extended family that they have they want to have nothing to do with the vaccination uh, realm. Yeah, as it, as it exists today, it is not rooted in real science. And even if the, the people who are the underlings in there really think they're doing the right thing, all you need to do is investigate below the surface to see the things we've shared with you over the years here, doing advanced medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Pediatricians firing their clients, patients. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. We kick, we kick off each uh, weekday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Bittar, Advanced Medicine. You can always catch a rebroadcast through Advanced Medicine. Well, where does it link to? Uh, medical Rewind. That's right, MedicalRewind.com. Going on for years, hundreds of hours available to you. Uh, we're talking, obviously, about the vaccine issue. We don't only talk about that, but that is a big one. When it comes to the health of every Every person on planet Earth impacted by vaccines, uh, just about. And it's, it's a biggie. And, of course, the regular media does not acknowledge what we've talked about for years. That's why we, we keep revisiting it with each new news story. And on the pediatrician front, interesting story here, the rise of the pediatricians who fire their patients. That's right. Rather than being glum and sad about it, I'm actually pleased when a pediatrician fires a family who does not wish to vaccinate according to the schedule? I say good riddance. You don't want to work with that doctor anyway. Well, I say that that patient, that uh, the family at least, that was fired because of the patient that the mm-hmm. pediatrician did not want to vaccinate, that is a blessing yes. to that family and to that child. And so I would I would actually suggest that if your pediatrician fires you because you didn't want to take a, because you didn't want to do a vaccine and they want to do a vaccine, write them a letter of thank you. <laughs> yes, I know. It's different than uh, how this um, uh, news media is portraying it in, in many ways because even the American Academy of Pediatrics says, we don't recommend you do that because uh, they know it's going to backfire on them rather than That's trying true. to keep them in the fold. I mean, it's going to lead more people to say, why do I even need a pediatrician? Which is happening. I'd say probably a third of my patients don't have a pediatrician and the other third are actively seeking another doctor because they don't want to go to the pediatrician. Yeah. Well, exactly. I, I, the first doctor I heard say you don't need one is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. You know, as much as I know that, it's sort of like why, why we've been programmed to believe aren't there other qualified health professionals that kind of know the baseline of how a healthy uh, infant can become a healthy child to a healthy uh, teenager, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not to say there's never a place for a doctor who specializes in pediatrics, but the point is the healthy baby visits that we've been told or sold on are all about vaccinations, not about healthy babies. So I don't mean to attack pediatricians, but this was a joke when I was in medical school. Uh-huh. Um, one of my friends uh, had told me that he was going into pediatrics, and uh, uh, there was, we had a study group. There was three of us in the study group, and there was another doc, another guy that was um, he was really, really good at note pool. And note pool, for those people that don't know what that is, is basically um, because there's so many notes, you know, 12 to 15 pages of notes uh-huh. uh, during each lecture, you would actually subscribe 
everybody would subscribe to Notepool and then, or whoever wanted to, and then there would be notes that would be taken. Certain people that were good at taking notes would take notes. They would type them up, and they would be all outlined, so you'd have the entire lecture, what was covered in Notepool. And so you could theoretically miss class, come at the end of the day, and pick up your notes from the day before and have everything that you needed to study. So anyway, this guy was a, one of the Notepool takers, and you know they got paid because everybody would subscribe to it, so Notepool people would make some money, which was good side money for them. And, uh, of course, I was never one that uh, did note pool because, one, I sucked at taking notes, and, two, you know, I didn't have the patience for it. But I subscribed to it. I was a consistent subscriber because I could get everybody, somebody else to take notes. Yes. But this particular guy was really good at note-taking, but he basically announced to the three of us, we were all going into surgery, and he said that he was going into pediatrics, and he was really proud of it. Mm. And I remember looking at my the two study partners, and we were kind of all kind of considered rogues, and, you know, they kind of looked at me and was like, the hell are you going into pediatrics for me? What's, what's pediatrics? And he's like, oh, what pediatrics is this and that. We're like, dude, what are you talking about? It's like veterinary medicine. The kid, the, your patients can't talk back to you. Just half the dose of the adult and just give it to them. What's the, what's, what is pediatrics? <laughs> so that was our joke. Now, right. you know, and now, of course, looking at it, it's, it's actually with what's happened in the pediatric community and with the, mm-hmm. since they're the ones that are primarily responsible for giving the vaccines, it's, it's really a challenging time for pediatricians. I can tell you that uh, there's a couple of pediatricians that I know that are extremely an, uh, antagonistic towards vaccinations themselves. Um, they are, you know, part of the aware group. They feel a terrible sense of responsibility. The two that I'm thinking of right now, they both are really, really good doctors, and they they're torn, but they're not torn to do the vaccinations. They're torn in in the fact that they were trying to do the right thing because they wanted to go into pediatrics and help children and they're torn in that knowledge that for the first part of their careers they did nothing but give vaccines which in their world and accurately enough for you and me yeah. too they, they hurt kids and so right. it's been a difficult time for those type of doctors yeah no i listen i have compassion especially when they wake up and want to do right make it right uh we have another physician uh pediatrician that i've interviewed she came to the homeoprophylaxis seminar in dallas i'm going to get her on and talk about that soon as well all right why are death rates rising for middle-aged white americans we'll investigate after this the robert scott bell show in all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. All right, links are up in the show notes. Thanks to op-ed, robertscottbell.com, getting you to drbatar.com. Also, the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And, of course, uh, you know, as I present my uh, lectures around the country, around the world, that's one of the books. It's right in there. Uh, and if you haven't read it, you haven't picked it up, my goodness, it's a life changer. And it is so helpful, so helpful to so many. So take a look. It's there in the notes. Now, Dr. Batar, before we dive into a very politically uh, sensitive uh, discussion of uh, mortality scared, rates, I'm a little nervous, yes. <laughs> the, the politically incorrect uh, discussion of middle-aged white folks and why they're dying in greater numbers than ever before. We're going to go there in a moment. But I opened the show today, surprise appearance by Mike Adams, the health ranger. You know, he's got his uh, uh, food science lab, and he does all of these, uh, you know, high-tech tests now on uh, different things. And he just ran analysis on zeolites. 
You know, and zeolites have been promoted for detoxing heavy metals. And it turns out the reason they were linked to detoxing heavy metals is because they can't contain heavy metals. That when you take them, there's evidence that there's some excretion that goes on. So they wrongly assumed it was the zeolites causing the binding of heavy metals and the excretion of them. But it turns out it's because they're putting the heavy metals in, and you're instantaneously, to some degree, able to remove some of them. And, of course, what it does do better than just about anything else is bind to radioactive cesium. And so the appropriate place is, you know, when you have no choice in a nuclear fallout scenario and the food is contaminated, you could arguably say zeolites would be safe and important to take. But outside of that, they've been wrongly used for many years by some that have interpreted the data wrong. Well, it's um, it's actually no surprise to me, Robert. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never recommended zeolites, and it's the same reason that I've never recommended cilantro. Um, e- you know that I think we've talked about this a couple of years ago. We did, yes. You know, about the cilantro aspect, because cilantro is a natural uh, sequester of mercury out of the environment. And so, when people say, "Oh, you should use cilantro as a natural chelator," the problem is, I mean, I love cilantro, by the way, and I, I, I do too. I'm a big fan. I, I it's yeah. yummy. The question exactly. is, like, what you say, Doctor Batar, is that if it is that sequester in, in nature. You better be sure that however they're growing this thing, that it's not harnessing mercury from the environment it's grown in. And that's exactly the point, because all the cilantro supplements we've tested actually had mercury and other metals, but especially very high in mercury. And unless that cilantro is grown in a controlled laboratory environment, its natural job is to sequester that mercury and concentrate it. And since mercury is ubiquitous in our environment, it's going to, by definition, have mercury in it. And so when you start taking cilantro supplements, thinking that you're going to bind to mercury, you're actually taking a greater load of mercury into your body. And let's say that you don't have that much mercury. Your, your system is actually uh, reasonably functional at eliminating uh, mercury. Right. You're going to actually be increasing the net effect, net, net uh, burden of mercury in your body. So yeah. you've got to be very, very careful. That's one reason I've never recommended cilantro uh, or, yeah. or, or you know, some of these other greens for detoxification i've never recommended zeolite people tell me they were taking zeolite they want to know my opinion i tell them listen as far as i'm concerned if you're not using a chelator and you're using some of these natural components that are natural but doctor they naturally occur in the environment they do this that's the whole reason that i don't want to use it because that they're already doing that and unless you can uh assure be assured and every mm-hmm. time i've tested it's come back that it has, it has mercury unless you can be assured that it's been grown in a controlled laboratory pristine environment without any exposure to mercury, it is going to have mercury in it. By definition, it's going to have mercury in it because that's how the creator designed it, to, to bind to mercury. It, well, exactly. And so that's it. You've got to be careful about these things. Even if they, there's a reason in nature that they're there for us to use, we're not arguing against that. Uh, again, we both love cilantro, but the idea to use it as a supplement, unless you can be sure it's grown in ideal conditions where it hasn't already sequestered heavy metals like mercury into your system, uh, that's why you got to be very careful about what you put into your body. And again, why I appreciate those who ha- are actually digging deep to find these facts and reveal them. And it's upsetting to some because we have an attachment to things we think are helping us. But if you take a substance and suddenly you see more excretion of the thing you were targeting, it could be because that thing you're using to, <laughs> to bind it is actually bringing it into your system. That's what has been revealed natural, today. And yeah. it's your body's natural pathways that are excreting it. You know, if you can grow cilantro in an aquaponics uh, environment, for example, and you're, you know that the water is clean and pristine, yeah, then, then use the cilantro because then I think it's yeah. going to make a difference. And, in fact, that's one of the things we're planning on doing is growing cilantro in aquaponics, not, not to 
not to make supplements out of it, but just for to consume our own cilantro and our own herbs. Right. Yeah, we planted some in an environment we hope is clean as well. But, uh, again, it, it's the thing is I don't want to give up some foods, but I want to find ways uh, to have a little bit more control over the environment they're, that they're grown in. And I know we don't live in a pristine world anymore. We've been contaminated for for generations now. So it, it isn't that we're deluding ourselves to think we can do it perfectly. But, my goodness, the the best we can do is better than not, not doing it. The best we can do is my point. Yep, I totally agree. Yeah. So now we're on to the uh, politically incorrect topic of why death rates are rising for middle-aged white folks you, in America. This segment would be carried into the ending by the time we finish with this topic. I, can I know. I try. This is, this is the dangerous <laughs> time. Uh, why are white people dying more than ever in middle age? And uh, there's pre- plenty of controversial things that can be said, and, and I'm sure Dr. Bertard <laughs> might say one or two of them. <laughs> but, I won't. I'm not going to. I'm oh, not going to hold off. You or me. <laughs> Okay, big trouble, mister. Uh, the, the mortality rate, let me just say this. The mortality rate for whites 45 to 54 years old with no more than a high school education increased by 134 deaths per 100,000 people from 1999 to 2014. And you're saying, this is, this is, this, that's a big number. That's a significant number in a 15-year period. 134 deaths uh, increase per 100,000 people. Why? Now they're trying. They're speculating on what could be the case here. What is causing the death? And that's where it gets interesting, because they list things like not cancer and heart disease. You know, the you know, big two or three that they say are killing everybody, but they say the increases are happening uh, due to suicides, opioid addiction. Yeah, look at the look at that number though for a second, Robert. If yeah. suicide, and now you look at mm-hmm. antidepressants, the most prescribed drug on the planet, right? Right. More than 50% of Americans have been prescribed an antidepressant. And the antidepressants, with the exception of one class, are all based on the same, like the, the Prozac, Prozac, Panacea, or Pandora. There was a book that was written about it. They're all based on the same configuration of, as uh, uh, Angel Dust, right? Isn't that LSD? No, the PCP, uh, PCP is, uh, yeah, PMP, that would be the uh, methylphenidate, the... Uh, you know uh, all these... Drugs are way better than me because obviously you've experimented with them all and you know all the. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I'm not very good, I'm not very good uh, at this stuff. But... I've had to cover it, but but certainly the 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 ones you're talking about are ba- are based on. You're a giddy tonight. Uh, they're ba- are based on the fluorine molecule, the fluoride molecule, uh, like the Prozacs, but and that is another aspect of of uh, you know things that could increase the uptake of heavy metals. Of course, increasing depression. Uh, some of what they're saying here is that, you know, the white folks were sold a bill of goods that they're now realizing were a, were a phony set of goods, like uh, the health care system in America for the past 100 years. And they're recognizing, oh, my gosh, we were lied to. What do I do? And of course, they're on the meds already. They're on opioids to kill the pain for any number of reasons. They're on antidepressants to kill their depression because they were, again, they were lied to about what was important in life, I think. And well, we bought yeah, into this I... crass materialism. Yeah, but I think that your point during the break when you brought this up and we were talking about mm-hmm. you know, big farmers rolling it, I really think that's where it is because if you look at these class of drugs again, you come back and you look at the incidence of antidepressant usage, you look at the incidence of depression, and you start looking at these class of drugs and how they're known to cause uh, hallucinations. In fact, um, all the PCP deaths back in the 60s, you know, the mechanism of suicide, a mechanism these people would die with because they were trying to fly off buildings. They thought they could fly. And then if you mm-hmm. look at all the Prozac breakthroughs, when they took Prozac, or almost took Prozac off the market for the breakthrough suicide rate, the mechanism of the, the, those suicides were all the same. It was 
people jumping off buildings. But I think it was wrongly labeled mm. as suicide because people were jumping off buildings. It was more hallucinations of people thought they could fly. And so there's, a, there's an interesting correlation between the incidence of these people that are dying, and they've demographically uh, segregated them out to be the white, middle-aged people. But it would be interesting to see how many of these people were diagnosed as depressive. Also, it would be interesting to see how many of these people were veterans and came back from you know, the uh, first or second Iraq war or, or from uh, Vietnam, and just to see the correlation between uh, incidents of being a veteran or having seen combat or having been in a potentially stressful environment and the incidence of uh, suicide. Yeah, and I think they are breaking it out here because they do acknowledge that the, the same age group in blacks and Hispanics is declining as far as uh, death rates. Uh, but, of course, their their death rates are, are much higher due to other causes. But to acknowledge, in, in a sense, the uh, particular uh, subpopulation, if we talk about white folks of middle age, why they're taking themselves out. And another uh, cause of mortality was liver disease. And I'm thinking, again, pointing back to the drugs. Pointing yeah, back to know. so many things that have been sold to us as, oh, yeah, it's just part of normal. You know, when you've talked about drugs, they were uh, a very short burst term usage to get people out of crisis. Now they become, you know, staples of everyday use. Well, actually, you know, look, if you look at the two most effect, most uh, damaging drugs to the liver, Tylenol, most widely prescribed um, drug and most uh, frequently seen overdose item in emergency rooms and affecting the liver. And then, of course, the other one is the statin drugs. Statins, yes. Cholesterol-lowering medication. And good luck finding somebody over 45 who's not been prescribed a statin drug. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. And this is the kind of thing that is uh, absolutely damaging. We're talking about a a pharmacological decimation of a particular population in America. And you white folks, of which some people look at me and say I'm one of them, uh, you bought it hook, line, and sinker, and now your liver is 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 being destroyed. Your psyche is being altered, and and perception becomes reality on these uh, mind altering medications. Just another good reason to be grateful that I'm brown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brown or swarthy looking? What do they say? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it is. Oh man, Doctor Bittar, look out! Well, that was not so bad because what you said yeah, on the break. I, I, yeah, did, you're, I did it. I was I was much lighter than you thought I was going to be. <laughs> yeah, you made me you made me nervous on the break. I'll say that. So check it out. The links into the New York Times. This article. Read about it uh, because it might be your mom or dad we're talking about. It might be your brother, your uncle, uh, your aunt. I mean, it wasn't broken down by uh, uh, sex and it's, and it's men and women uh, uh, of these generations. And it is time, you millennials out there. I know you're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Make a switch. You must abandon Planet Pharma. In order to survive this, uh, we're going to continue talking about ways to do that and detox. And uh, we've got one more segment to do it in today as we wrap up advanced medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Remember, Medical Rewind, also our syndicator GCN, Natural News, Talk Network, Epic Times, UK Health Radio, and more. Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. And uh, Dr. Rashid Batar, Super Don behind the scenes there, Patrick on the board. Uh, Dr. Batar, post Halloween, uh, of course, we've got to warn folks for the Halloween flu, 
which is not a viral cause. It's caused by excess consumption of refined sugars, artificial sweeteners, artificial colorings, and flavorings that start us down the road to flu shots or flu season that they want to counteract with flu shots. Yeah, that's true. Sugar will definitely reduce your immune system. And, um, you know, it's interesting talking about Halloween and candies and the sugar consumption. The, the, uh, there was a study, that study, I'm sure, sorry, it was a, um, a newscast that I saw, and they were talking about the incidence of high, high refined sugars in the candies, and they were talking about the people that actually try to put healthy components inside of the treat bags. And they did a little uh, newsroom test, and they had different types, homemade uh, candies or homemade um, desserts, I guess you could call it, versus some of the refined stuff. And they were looking at people, and they were saying which one people wanted. And it was interesting because about half the people did want the homemade stuff, and about half the people said, no, there's no way I would never have this. I'd rather have that. You know, uh, Why would I want to have a a brownie when I can have a Reese's peanut butter cup or that type of thing. But about mm-hmm. half the people were looking at healthy options. And, of course, this was adults. They weren't looking at kids. But at least people's interest being inclined towards looking at something more homemade, God knows what the ingredients were in the homemade stuff. You know, maybe they're right, not right. Got the right. But the point is that the thought process of individuals was at least lined up with, I would rather have a homemade uh, dessert as opposed to... Uh, synthetic, uh, industrial, you know, manufactured type dessert. Yeah, I, I had uh, so some kids come to the door, and I, I was handing out 100 micrograms of uh, GTF chromium. One of the parents were there and said, Oh, man! And I was like, oh, come on, guys. I mean, I'm just trying to help out here. We need a little chromium to deal with all that sugar, but they didn't get it. Uh, but, I mean, you know, this really is a, a consciousness shifter. One day we'll look back and like, dude, we, you know, we, we're, we're freaking poisoning the kids. And it's not just once a year. We know that this happens on an ongoing basis, but we're convinced that just a little bit of candy is not going to be bad. No, 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 no. A little bit of toxic, uh, you know, uh, accumulation uh, over time, it becomes a lot. And it becomes a lot fast in a world where food, water, and air are contaminated, as we've talked about for years. So it's not just a little bit once a year. It's a lot all of the time. But you know what's interesting, though, also when you start looking at the younger population and you start seeing them, and I... Most of the kids that I saw, my son, my uh, nephews and nieces, and I've seen other kids do this too, they take their candies, they take a couple of things that they like. My son took 80%, 85% of his candies, took them to the employees on the farm and mm-hmm. gave it all to them. said, what do you guys want? And let them have it all. So I was pleasantly surprised, and I saw my nephews and nieces kind of do the same thing. They mm-hmm. took a couple of things that they wanted. The rest of it went into a bag, and it was going to be given to... Uh, to a local shelter for, yep. of course, that's not a, you know, <laughs> give it to a local shelter. Hey, let's take these people that are already behind the eight ball and give them more right. stuff to make it. But, but the point was they didn't consume it themselves. Yeah, well, and, and my daughter has been, you know, my, my son was never really into trick-or-treating for whatever reason, uh, but my my daughter, she's 10, she's still into it, she dressed up, and, uh, you know, she has fun. But, you know, she's never ate in the, in the candy, because we, you know, we do our organic thing, and she has a treat, no big deal. So, for her, it's it's not a big deal, but for those who grew up this way and feel like you're, you're doing your kid a disservice by not allowing him to eat that garbage... Honestly, it, it, the only way you can think that is if you're still eating that garbage because you don't want to deny yourself. And I think that's how it plays out in a weird way. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Super Don, you you know, post Halloween here, we got about a, a, a little about a minute left here. Throw you into the mix here. I know you've you've had kids grow up, and and you've you've covered some stories with me. As long as we're not going back to Vermont, I guess I can have you open your mic again. <laughs> well, you I know, know you, you know Vermont. what though. You know what? Listen, <laughs> what we were going to talk about a Halloween story, but I just yeah. found something out. We, you know, we were reminiscing about the stuff of our childhood. Yeah, uh, last, last hour, hour, some of the yep. video games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just found out that we missed something very what? significant on October fourth. It was an anniversary yeah. of a TV show that I'm sure that you and I both remember from our childhood. What was it? Back in 1957, on October fourth, was the debut of the television series "Leave It to Beaver." <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Somehow we missed re- that. Somehow the reruns are happening in Vermont because ninety percent evidently have never tried Beaver. That's what we learned last hour. Thank you, Super Don. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Oh, the show's over. Oh, sorry, Doctor Batari. You don't get to say anything hey, more. That's all right. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to come down to that level. <laughs> no, no, but you can say the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.